Hi, welcome to the Quiet Rebel podcast. I'm Lynn Thurman. I'm with my husband, Paul Thurman. And today we're really excited to have Katie Oman with us on the podcast. Welcome, Katie. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you for having me here. I'm really excited to be part of this again. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, always. So we've chatted a few times on podcasts and video. Um, Last time, I think you were about, or you just launched your book. Yes. Sunshine book, the happiness book. Yes, yes. And that's, you know, it's a year this Saturday will be the anniversary of that coming out. Really? Oh. Yeah. I can't believe it's been a year. It's bonkers. <laughs> really fast. It's just too fast, believe me. What's changed since then? Um, to be honest, what's really changed um, in my life is me. Um, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but I feel this year has been another year for me to grow as as not only as a woman but also in terms of my work. I feel like I have a lot more confidence in um, what I do and my voice and my uh, abilities now than I did this time last year. So that's a real positive thing. That's really good. It's nice to be able to have a marker to look back on, isn't it? And say, oh, yeah. where I was at that point, and now I'm all the way here. I've been watching your uh, videos on Facebook, and they've been really good. You're Thank really you. stepping forward. Yeah, it's really great to watch. Thank you. I just feel like, see, I had um, a speaking opportunity in London for International Women's Day, and for the first time in my life, I didn't plan. Um, I was working with Gaia Rose and she tr- um, guided us to trust our hearts and to connect and to trust that whatever messages needed to come would come up. And so I, although I was terrified and really mm-hmm. nervous, I, I gave it a go and it was wonderful. And it was a real eye opener for me that I don't have to try and control and plan and, and overthink things. I can trust that my heart and my soul knows what needs to be said and knows where I need to go. Is that what you do with your videos as well? You just get on your on your Facebook Live and just see what flows, what comes? Yeah, definitely. I have like um there's a situation maybe that I have or heard about and I can feel that it's it's like it's like having a fly in your room that you can't necessarily see, but you can hear. It's irritating you. I feel like when I'm in that space, it's because my voice has to come up and out. Because otherwise, it's sitting inside my head and it's irritating me. And I can't stop thinking about it. So now, rather than having that energy about me, I will just plonk myself down on a Facebook Live. Even if nobody watches it or nobody comments about it, I think, well, I need to get it out of my head and talk about this because it's important. The, the video that we last watched was um, you talking about publishing houses, like particularly Hay House, how it's become mm. almost like an elitist club. Yeah, it's really sad. I feel um, Louise, when she started it, um, what, 30 odd years ago, if she could see now, which of course she can, where it's going, I think she would be quite sad. It feels like it's an old boys club now. And I don't think it's necessarily bringing the right energy 
for the the books that they're publishing and the energy they're trying to bring it feels mismatched to how they're going about it mm. it's um quite difficult also for new authors to try and get a publishing contract with hay house it's almost like they've narrowed it so far that it's almost impossible well i've had experiences of that i mean i got the because i had on my vision board and I became to the point where I was almost obsessed that this was my path and I was going to make it happen and um, poor Amy um, Michelle I just emailed you about 10 times with different ideas like what about this one what about this one um, I wonder how they would have coped before the internet because the whole thing now is about your platform so it's about having thousands of followers or thousands of subscribers, which I get because they want to know that you've got an audience to sell to. Mm. But at the same time, it's like that's now more important than the message itself, which I think is quite sad. Do you think that stifles new authors and new voices from actually rising up and being heard? Oh, definitely. If you're told that we like your idea, but you have to get at least 50,000 subscribers, on your newsletter straight away you're thinking well I'm not going to get that how am I going to do that then and so you think well what's the point I'm not obviously not cut out to be a writer it's too hard I won't bother mm. I just think it's really sad and when I tell people my journey the fact that I self-published my first two books and how easy that was relatively speaking it's like can I open people go oh you can do that I, I didn't realize it was that easy I'm like well yeah you don't have to go the traditional route there are other options available yeah self-publishing is you know greatly you know it's it's booming isn't it I mean that's what we've been doing at the oh, Quiet yeah. River Bureau helping mind body spirit authors who might not have another avenue or and they don't want all the fuss with self-publishing themselves to actually get out there and get their voices heard Definitely. I mean, I think self-publishing used to be seen as a bit of a, van a vanity project. People thought it was something mm. you did to kind of sell to your family and friends type thing. Um, and it was seen as being kind of lesser than traditional publishing. But like you say, I think with the way that traditional publishing is going in certain areas, I think self-publishing definitely is now being seen as something more it's taken more respected and it's more taken more seriously. I think the issue is, though, is that, that they don't have the level of support necessarily. So when I was talking to a lady about it yesterday and she said, so what uh, bookshops would you go in? And I said, well, if you're self-published, you then have to go and approach the independents directly and ask them if they'll stock some of your book for you. Um, but the big ones, like Waterstones, won't necessarily touch you not unless that you've been on tv or in the newspapers then they might but it's still it's still very much traditional led mm. <clears throat> yeah that's a good point why did you change from sorry paul go on paul? oh i was just going to say um you said that it, you felt it was easier to self-publish in what ways did you feel it was easier than going up against the big publishers because you're in control you don't have, see, it's, it's, there's pros and cons on either side because you are then responsible for all your decisions, but at the same time, you are responsible for all your decisions. <laughs> so that's really good because you're in charge of it, but that's a lot, a lot of responsibility and a lot of pressure then to make sure that you, because you don't, especially with your first book, you don't really know what you're doing. 
you kind of you know you can look at other people's um examples and websites and stuff but it is ultimately you make kind of taking control of that but then at the same time you haven't got like a whole team of people kind of dictating to you what they think is best so and they're not necessarily always right and um, they can make bad decisions because they think they're thinking about profit rather than the message of the book so it has its pros and its cons for me it just uh, like because i was getting rejection after rejection um as a first-time author which was very disheartening so it allowed me to just go do you know what i'm just gonna go and do it my way and put it out there anyway regardless of what you say what was the switch because your first two books you write fiction and then your third book Excellent. went on to non-fiction so what mm. what made that switch what made what was the propelling force that you switched I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, ego-led and full of myself, but I do feel that every book I write is getting better. I feel that there's a real coming into my own of understanding who I am and, and that my voice. And I try to write things that I'm passionate about at that time. So, you know, obviously my awakening and my first two books were very spiritual, um, awakening and then angels. And then I was writing a lot about on social media about happiness. It was really because I was going through stuff in my personal life as well with my ex-husband and all of that and trying to kind of take back control of my happiness. And by doing that, I realized that a lot of people were desperately unhappy, but didn't really know what to do about it and how to make their lives better. So the two things kind of came together at a very natural meeting point. And then the one that's being published next year um which is self-love pledge that's um my journey from moving from hating who i was to actually now embracing who i am and loving who i am as a person because a lot of people struggle with the whole concept of self-love as well so i'm trying to write books now that although it's still spiritually in the sense that it's love and light it's not a direct link to my body spirit in the same way but i still feel that it's still helping people it's just opening the field up Cool. Um, so when's your next when's your new book out what, when about next year it's, yeah february the 28th next year uh, <laughs> it's the same publisher uh, o books are publishing it again but it's just lovely to have the opportunity to keep putting my message out really and helping people with you know i, I like to think that i'm relatively good at what i do so um to have the opportunity to to reach uh, an audience again is fantastic oh brilliant are you enjoying the publishing process with a, um, a the thing about O-Books is that they don't have a phone line. They only contact them to their website. So that can be a bit frustrating sometimes because I like to actually talk to people. Mm. And you have to, you send a message and you have to wait for them to get back to you. So that can be a bit frustrating. But at the same time, going into Waterstones and seeing my book on the shelf, I, I cried my eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> I had very happy tears because it's been a dream of mine since I was a little girl. So to actually have that come true was magical. It was worth it. It was worth all the stress. It was worth all the, the work that I had put in. <laughs> oh, so you have one of those moments that most authors just dream no, about. <laughs> oh, it's mad. It's crazy to go. And initially, I was looking in the, like the mind, body, spirit section stupidly because why would it be in there it's about happiness so i kind of had to find my way around and it's in the positive psychology <laughs> bit and i was there with other authors who books i had read and i couldn't believe 
that my book was in the middle of all these other people. And then I went over to one of the staff members and said, you've made me really happy. And she said, why? I said, that's my book. And she said, oh my God. And she gave me a signed by the author sticker and a pen. She said, go and sign the book. I was like, you're all right. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh. <laughs> Little things please me. You know, I, mean? I, I was happy then for about, about about a month afterwards. I was on cloud nine. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you always have so much to say, Katie. And and you say you shared the things that were on your heart at the time. It, mm. Would you say that there's um, one big message that, that like drive everything? If there was just one message you could say. What would that message be? Um. I suppose the key message for me is, and it was part of the happiness book that I wrote last year, was that happiness is every single person's responsibility, but it's also a choice. Because you're either moving towards love or you're moving towards fear in everything that you do. And I feel with the way that the world is at the moment, where we really are now at the brink of going one of either ways. I feel we're really at a crossroads in, in our human evolution and with the planet and everything. So to guide people as much as I can, I mean, only one person, but one person can make a difference, towards love, towards taking responsibility, towards choosing their own happiness. Because happiness is, uh, it's like dropping a stone into a pond and the ripples go out very, very far. So when you take responsibility and you choose happiness for yourself, that then has a positive effect on your friends and your family. And they will go out and do, you know, spread the love and be kind to others. So by healing ourselves, we then can heal planet and the whole world. It does start with us. We can't keep looking for the other people, whoever they may be, governments and corporations and stuff to fix all of our problems we have to take responsibility for ourselves like that yeah yeah well it's, it's really a time where there's so many problems like every time you put the news on it's like this wave of fear washes over you and we keep waiting for other people to fix it whether it's the environment or politics or you know humanitarian crisis whatever it is we're going oh they'll sort it out I don't know who they are supposed to be, but we all have a responsibility. We're a global family. We have to look after each other. We can't keep waiting for people to sort all the problems out. Is that the message with the self-love pledge book as well? Exactly. Taking responsibility oh, yeah. for our own yeah, inner yeah. healing and care. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's just another type, it's another area of the same message because hurt people hurt people, right? So, when you're in a space of not loving yourself, you are in a place of fear, predominantly. And then you then make, well, there's no such thing as bad decisions, but let's say that you're making decisions that are not necessarily going to serve you the best. There you go. And that then has ripples itself that you can potentially hurt yourself or hurt other people or lead you down wrong paths. It's, to understand that self-love is not selfish or narcissistic or vain. It's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of happiness. It's the foundation of well-being. It's the foundation of empathy and kindness and, you know, helping other people. It's like, if you love yourself or even like yourself, 
it puts you in a stronger position then in your whole in every area of your of your life and you will make better choices for yourself and have better relationships with other people what you're talking about really is very simple stuff why do you think that everybody finds it so difficult and complicated when when it's really very basic (laughs) it comes down to very basic principles I feel like I really shouldn't have to spell it out in the way that I do. I think there's there's a number of issues going on. One is that it's not taught in schools. We are taught things, and my son is going through his GCSEs right now. So, and I know you are taught things. You education, you are taught to pass exams is the bottom line, and yet you are not given skills and knowledge and wisdom to go out and be an adult in the world at all. So that's kind of the first part of the problem. The second part of the problem is that our society in the, in the developed world is geared still towards consumerism and materialism. And companies will make you feel bad about yourself so that you spend more money on their products to make you look and feel better. And so their job is to make you feel bad about yourself, right? So whether that's the, your age or your gender or your weight or your what right. your ethnicity, whatever it is, every single person is made to feel less than in some way. And so that way then they can sell you a, a dream, a lifestyle, and you can look like this celebrity, this model, you can have be like this millionaire if you buy this product. And so the combination of those two things means that most adults are going into the world thinking that they feel really bad about themselves but that's the norm everybody does and it's like it doesn't have to be this way there is another way and hopefully the more that I can kind of shine light on that alternative the more people realize again they have a choice absolutely absolutely so we need more books we need more people we need more smaller voices (laughs) that can't get the big contracts to say these things to change the world to be the movers and shakers and the revolutionaries that we need absolutely i mean you know what i'm like i I don't sit still for very long so i have started (laughs) writing my fifth book i I haven't gotten very far with it yet because i've been so busy but the next book is continuation of female empowerment because I feel again obviously with the the Me Too movement and Time's Up um, things are shifting but again it's like trying to turn around the world's biggest oil tanker it's (laughs) slow and you know you are going to meet resistance and there's a lot of resistance and a lot of women particularly feel really still less than they still feel that they're not their worth is less than or their confidence or there is less self-esteem and so that's now my next kind of project if you like is that I want to help women to empower themselves and to feel better about who they are as people rather than being determined on what society tells them that they are. Fantastic when have you got any ideas when that one would come out? (laughs) Oh god no like I say I'm still in the middle of writing my first draft for it so yeah, it would be ready when it's ready. I used to put a lot of pressure on myself to, you know, run with it and get it all done. But I, I know now that it's a process and it, it, by letting it come out organically, it means that I actually write a better book rather than trying to force it out. So, Absolutely. 
And while you're doing that, you're a role model for other women because you're, you just mentioned your son going through his GCSEs and you've got mm. twins and yeah. you're a single mum. So, you, <laughs> you know, if you can do it, then there's no reason why other women can't be, you know, changing the world. You just have to kind of think, what, what's your priorities in life? It's very easy to sit there and watch mindless TV and scroll through social media and waste your time. And we all need that to some degree. We all need to kind of vegetate from time to time. But if you find that your downtime is constantly doing that and you feel unfulfilled and frustrated with your life, then it's time to question what you should be doing with your free time that would be more productive and that you could do something that would make you feel more fulfilled and you were taking control of your life. So if I, um, if I have, I don't get a lot of free time, but if I do, then I would try and use it for something that was productive, that I knew was going to take me forward. It, it baby steps, but each one takes you forward to where you need to be. Absolutely. What would be some six steps that, that you would suggest to our listeners if they're, they're feeling you just described? What kind of productive things would you encourage them to look towards? The first thing to do is to get really clear on what it is you want to do. The amount of people that they go, oh, I don't know what my life purpose is. And I say, well, what are you really passionate about? What's the one thing that you lights you up that when you talk about it to other people, you can't stop smiling and you would do it for free because you love it that much. That's your life purpose. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be this overcomplicated thing. And life purpose can be more than one thing and it changes and grows as you change and grow. So what interests you 10 years ago is unlikely to be interesting you today. So to actually stop and think, am I doing the things that are bringing me joy? And if they're not, what is it that I actually want to do? What, what do I want to focus on that would bring me that joy and fulfillment and purpose? And then to make time and space for it in your life. So it's not enough for it to just sit inside your head as this dream and this wishful thinking. For a dream to turn into a goal, so whether that's half an hour every day sitting, writing, or whether it's going to take a course, or whether it's reading a book or speaking to somebody, it's like, what can I do? to actually move me closer to where I need to be. And a lot of it, you will feel like you're actually not getting anywhere. You'll feel like you're doing things not actually moving closer to where you need to be. But every step, I promise you, will move you forward into that direction. As long as you take one step every day, you are heading down that path. And trying to remove distractions. Like I say, we all need downtime, but it's to prioritise and think, what, what am I giving my focus to? And is there a more productive way that I could be focusing my time? Thank you. Again, simple messages, aren't they? Simple messages that we need to keep hearing them over and over again for it to sink in. Yeah, absolutely. Sadly, that's just the way it is. Like I say, I wish on one level I didn't have to spell this stuff out. But while we do, while there are people who need to hear it, then we're going to have to keep doing it. I just hope that the younger generation coming up kind of understand this stuff more and are taking more responsibility for their well-being and their mental health rather than you know giving other people their power to fix all their problems for them yeah that's my hope for the next generation yeah. as well. 
Absolutely. I mean, I do have some hope. There are some schools and stuff that are focusing very highly on mental health and having the space and the time to for children, for students to go and to talk things through and to have a quiet space. So it just needs to happen more. And I know it's hard with budgets and, and schools are struggling financially, but it's so important. You know, if, if you focus on the mental health issues in the young, you're going to have less mental health problems in the adult population as they grow up. You can't wait until they have the problems and then try and fix it. You have to get to the root cause. You have to get them when they're young and teach them the skills then so that they can go into adulthood in a stronger position. Totally agree. Totally agree. You've got to start at the bottom. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Yeah, the youngsters. Well, where can people find you, Katie? Where can they find out more about what you do and all your books? Well, my website's really simple because it's just my name. So it's Katie Oman, which is O-M-A-N, like the country, .co.uk. If you go on there, you can find, and I have loads on there because I like to offer lots of different things, whether it's my book or coaching or uh, my courses. So there's loads of bits and bobs on there to go and have a look at. So, yeah, that'd be great. And can people sign up to your newsletter there? Because I always look forward to your weekly newsletter coming into my email. Yeah, Fab. I mean, weirdly, I know like trying to get your website provider, and I changed website provider, and then there was an issue with the sign up thing on the website. But if people just drop me an email or through social media and tell me that they want to sign up for it, it's free. So, and I love writing them. That's like yeah. a pleasure every Friday to sit with my laptop and just let me blare at them. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any more questions for Katie, Paul? Just one. Um, I know you're, you're, it's almost um, time for you to go, but um, what do you see yourself doing in the future as you kind of project yourself forward? What, what kind of goals are you moving towards? Well, I used to have quite small goals because I didn't think that I could go too big. But now I know actually you should go really big because if you reach for the moon, you will, even if you miss, you'll still hit the stars, right? bit cheesy but it's true so I really feel very strongly and I did a, a live about this today I feel very strongly drawn to America I would love to be on things like working with sounds so silly things out loud uh Oprah and Ellen and being on TEDx talks I feel like I need my platform to be bigger and I'm not doing that for fame or celebrity or anything like that I'm not bothered about that what I'm bothered about is reaching as many people as possible. Because the more people hear the message, the more people that can be helped. And America, like 79% of my followers on Instagram are, are American. So there is, there is more space um, for spirituality and mind, body, spirit over there than there seems to be over here. It still feels like you're kind of blocked in the UK. You can go so far, but it's like, there are only so many people who are willing to hear your message. Whereas obviously in America, it's a much bigger uh, population. There's a bigger platform then. And you kind of weirdly take them more seriously. It's like if you can crack America, it's like everybody will then listen to you. So what the future holds, obviously more writing, definitely more speaking. You may have noticed I like to talk. So so to have that platform in terms of writing and speaking to really help as many people as possible on a big stage would be wonderful. 
So watch this Fantastic. space. <laughs> Thank you. So if um, people go to katieoman.co.uk, if you yeah. you can drop her an email to get onto her newsletter list. You can follow her yeah. on Facebook, watch her live videos because they're awesome. Um, <laughs> and look at what services offers for the world. Yeah. My mum says I have lots of strings to my bow, so I, I just don't like being bored. So I'll always find something that I can help people in a different way. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you so much for talking with us today. You're so welcome, and thank you both. Yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. I think you are um, change makers, and then I look forward to seeing what you guys do moving forward as well. Oh, thank you, Katie. Thank you. You're both so welcome, and thank you for having me today. Oh, uh, our pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, thank you, listeners, for yeah, it's been really great talking to you. Thanks. Not a problem. Thank you so much. <laughs> Until next time, then. <laughs> bye bye.